1: From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm
0: Report with Pam Yonke. Well, the mercury is going to start to drop this weekend across the state of Wisconsin. Morning, everybody. Fabulous farm babe, Pam Yonke, glad to welcome you in to the final Friday of January and kind of the final day of the month where we're going to see temperatures that are, are at or above freezing. In fact, today, 60% chance of snow uh, probably occurring more this morning than any other time of the day. 32 will be our expected high. Tomorrow, another 80% chance of snow showers. 18 are expected high. Sunday, cloudy skies and 16. Monday, cloudy skies and 10. Tuesday, partly sunny. 12 degrees so as you can see uh, we are going to leave january on a very cold note we'll find out about the weather front that's coming in stumacher ag meteorologist up in about 15 minutes also we're starting to focus ahead on the upcoming u.s championship cheese contest wisconsin again plays host to competitors from across the united states headed to green bay for the big event carrie mess will tell us more about what it's like to be involved in that competition stick around
2: Join the fabulous farm babe, Pam Yonke, along with Wisconsin Soybean and Corn Growers at the 2023 Corn Soy Expo. It's February 2nd and 3rd at the Kalahari Resort in the Wisconsin Dells. Pam will be broadcasting on Thursday with ComCare Financial at booth 409 and Friday from the Wisconsin Soybean Board booth, number 701. For more information or to make plans to attend, visit cornsoyexpo.org. Focus on your farm in 2023 with Focus on Energy. Focus on Energy can identify energy efficiency upgrades on your farm, helping you save money on your utility bills for years to come.
0: Get started today by contacting your energy advisor. Call 800-762-7077 or visit focusonenergy.com/agribusiness to learn more.
2: That's focusonenergy.com/agribusiness. Focus on Energy, helping farmers save since 2001
0: uncertainty. It is a phrase that's already been used quite a little bit in 2023, whether talking about the U.S. economy, the global economy, or agriculture in general. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And it was a topic for conversation during the recent Dairy Strong Conference in Madison, where Will Lauks Vice President of Global Economic Affairs for the U.S. Dairy Export Council, tried to paint a picture of On what 2023 is going to bring the U.S. dairy industry as far as obstacles and opportunity. One item we started off with immediately, China. So projections are that China's population has flatlined as far as growth is concerned. And India will now become the world partner that everyone's looking to. That poses challenging for U.S. dairy. I talked to Will Lokes about India as a potential dairy partner in the future.
3: Yeah, India is a tricky market for U.S. dairy. So fundamentally we really don't have access to the Indian market. They've got a health certificate there that fundamentally we can't use in the United States. So Europe and New Zealand get a bit of access but frankly, even if we got that health certificate, I think overnight the Indian government would probably create a different certificate that would ultimately block us from accessing that market anyway. So Mm -hmm. really, they have a very strong domestic production, who is very powerful politically, and they really don't want to allow any imports. And so it's going to be challenging, even as their population grows, to really be accessing that Indian market. So I think our future overseas is in a lot of the other markets where the U.S. dairy industry and the Export Council have invested a lot of time, energy, money into those markets to build demand and to build
0: opportunities. You know, we started the conversation with China. That is still a very valuable market to the U.S. dairy industry. But it has evolved. It has evolved. And it's
3: also a very challenging market, too, in its own right. So, yeah. yes, we're not in the midst of the U.S.-China trade mm. dispute anymore. But we still have hurdles. And for one, I, there's still uncertainty around that trade environment. We are only in a phase one agreement. We don't have a full resolution to that trade dispute. So, in fact, the retaliatory tariffs that China put on U.S. products are technically still on. But you can get exception, exemptions mm. to those uh, retaliatory tariffs tariffs. Mm -hmm. Now, that's great, except for the fact that that's an added hurdle for importers. Uh, Importers have a choice. Do they want to go through that added issue or do they instead say you know what i don't have to do that for new zealand they've got a better tariff anyways all instead by from europe new zealand etc so we're kind of in on the back foot within china i still think there's a lot of opportunity they're the biggest importer in the world but their population's not growing and there's a lot of uncertainty in that market so really i think the importance for the u.s is be diversified we can't put all our eggs in china yeah. and instead be thinking about where else we can really be taken advantage of
0: hey will help us understand uh, different product categories that may resonate with certain geographies. I think we get real caught up, in, well, you're in Wisconsin, so it's always about cheese, but fluid and things like that. I think sometimes we forget about the value-added products that might be really appealing in other geographies.
3: Yeah, that's certainly the case. I mean, the U.S. has a pretty diversified product mix. I mean, even the cheese that mm-hmm. we export isn't just you know bulk commodity cheddar. It's also higher-value specialty products. We export a lot of cream cheese. We export a lot of mozzarella. And so we've got a diversified mix within there. And also on the waste, too. High protein waves, the U.S. is the largest exporter in the world of oh, WPC-80 and WPI. That's huge, and that's a high value return for farmers, uh, certainly here in the upper Midwest and in Wisconsin. Uh, but we also export a lot of other products too, including on the skim milk powder side. That, of course, is very big, uh, especially out West, but also we do have balancing plants here in the mm-hmm. upper Midwest too. Um, I think for us, as we look ahead, we're going to need to continue to diversify our portfolio, make sure we're offering the whole product category mix. I think fluid milk will will always be challenged by the fact that you're exporting a lot of water. And so does that make economic sense to export fluid milk? You know, in some cases, it does. There are opportunities to create a premium. I think we've seen that in Taiwan very successfully. Uh, the U.S. is the largest exporter of fluid milk to that market, interestingly enough. But, you know, overall, I think where our future is, is thinking about how do we add value to our ingredients? How do we add value to our cheese? Because if we add just $0.10 cents to the block price to the and the barrel price, mm-hmm. ultimately, we're going to move that Class three price by close to dollar. If we get 10 cent better on our dryway, we're gonna add close to 60 cents to the Class three price. That really matters to farmers. So it's not just about diversification of portfolio, it's also about adding value to the products that we ship, and that will also help us a lot too.
0: Talk to me about the rising interest rates, uh, the talk of a recession. It's not a, a conversation unique to the United States.
3: Yeah, it's certainly not. Uh, we certainly see rising interest rates both in the U.S. and around the world, but really the Fed uh, here in the U.S. has been taking the lead On really raising interest rates to cool inflation and frankly it seems to be working we are seeing inflation start to come down frankly as interest rates have slammed the brakes on the economy and so we were kind of left in a catch-22 scenario of high inflation Mm -hmm. or do we have a slower economy Mm -hmm. and I think we're choosing to pull back on inflation Mm -hmm. And and I think frankly that makes sense but I've been really impressed by how strong the U.S. economy is. You know, our labor market's in good mm-hmm. shape. You know, folks are continuing to spend, so dairy consumption in the U.S. is, at, is holding up pretty well. Internationally, though, it's a different case. I think we are starting to see much more of a demand pullback. I think economies, especially in Europe, probably are heading for a recession this year. Um, But there's a lot of question marks still in the year ahead as we see really the full impact of higher interest rates, because those take a while to work their way into the
0: economic system. You know, one area of the globe that doesn't seem to feel that quite as much, uh, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates. And you were mentioning during your conversation about what they look for in dairy and the challenges perhaps that the u.s has to overcome to get more dairy there yeah certainly i mean we see the middle east
3: north africa as a really important market for the united states i was actually just there this past year hmm. uh, and uh, in 2022 and was able to see firsthand how involved and committed u.s uh, suppliers and exporters are to that market and how much uh, importers in that market really want u.s products so that's hmm. great news the issues, of course, are you know in many ways that's Europe's back door. It's, mm-hmm. it's their Mexico. They are very quick in order to ship product. If somebody yeah. in uh, Egypt or in Turkey or in Saudi Arabia wants product, Europe can get it there a lot quicker than we can. Yeah. But at the same time, you know we're the growing market of production, and especially over the long term. So I think there's a lot of future for us in that market, especially given the fact that with higher energy prices their economies are looking in better shape, or at least some of them, the uh, oil exporting Mm -hmm. ones, are looking in better shape than a lot of other economies around the world right now.
0: Well, you talk about transportation. That was another highlight you brought to dairy producers. The craziness that had been part of moving anything internationally has dissipated a bit. It has,
3: yeah. Thankfully, uh, compared to last year, where, man, it was expensive to ship and it was hard to reliably secure passage on an ocean carrier vessel. You know, the U.S. Dairy Export Council and the national milk producers federation worked really hard to get the ocean shipping reform act passed but also what we've seen here recently is that imports in the u.s have cooled off quite a bit just as we talked about with the economy sure. consumption's cooled off and so what that's meant is really the import push that was really driving a lot of the headaches around shipping and freight and supply chains has cooled off quite a bit so now we're in much better shape to continue to meet the needs of our customers quickly and as efficiently as possible really back to where we were almost before the pandemic
0: well i don't want to push out of your comfort level but what One thing that doesn't get as much attention that U.S. Dairy Export Council does are form partnerships within country product development. Uh, I witnessed a a place in China just outside of Harbin that's basically one of those uh, cooperative ventures where USDEC comes in and says, hey, we're going to help you, we're going to partner. Are those paying dividends to us? I certainly think so. I mean, I think what we're seeing
3: right now in the global market is the U.S. is gaining share in the markets that we're putting investment dollars into. We're seeing the U.S. gain market Mm -hmm. share or in a tough environment, hold market share when you you wouldn't think we would otherwise. Mm -hmm. I think especially Southeast Asia, I think in North Asia and Japan and Korea, we talked about China having Mm -hmm. its own issues. But really, the U.S. is holding well and building market share in these regions and getting a better value for those exports. So I think that's the investment that we're seeing as we work with customers to develop that. And also, it's paying dividends in total demand. Because, hey, if they use a little bit more dairy in those products, we're going to see demand grow. And I think that's a critical piece. So we're seeing demand growth in most markets outside of this past year with China. So And long term, we think China's going to go right back to growth. So we see a lot of opportunities as populations grow, as incomes grow, and as US debt continues to work with those importers to really increase the amount of dairy in those diets.
0: That's the voice of Will Lokes. He is the vice president, global economic affairs at the U.S. Dairy Export Council. Now, granted, uh, given the culture of India, you can understand his hesitation about getting too excited on what U.S. dairy will do there. But the good news is dairy consumption in India is going up. According to statistics out of India, they saw total domestic consumption on the volume of milk at 203 million metric tonne, Last year, that was an increase compared to 199 million metric ton in 2021. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report
2: with Pam Yonke.
4: When it comes to custom wedding rings... Get to know your
5: Denny's Jeweler.
6: Denny's Jewelers does offer affordable custom wedding bands, whether it be gold, silver, diamonds, gemstones, platinum. You bring your wedding band idea and we'll point you in the right direction. We'll show you all the options. I am Sarah Denny Alexander. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers.
7: You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Rinnai tankless water heaters, the number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater.
4: Benjamin Plumbing. Is fatigue and lack of libido keeping you on the injured reserve list? It could be symptoms of low testosterone. After the age of 30, men begin to notice this reduction in quality of life due to natural hormonal decline. But there is something you can do about it. Carbon World Health offers custom-designed hormone replacement treatment. They'll determine if you need testosterone replacement or growth hormone therapy. Don't let low T keep you on the bench. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com.
1: Did the chickens come home to roost last night? We'll find out. This is the Midwest Farm Report.
0: Well, by golly, the rooster is around this morning. That's for sure. Time to check in on ag weather for a Compeer Financial Friday. Stumak, ag meteorologist, along with us. Man, I'll tell you what. If uh, the chickens didn't come home to roost last night, they're going to be a little frosty this morning, but nothing like what we're looking at next week, huh?
6: No, the, the winter cold temperature is going to settle in. I've seen some extended forecasts now through about the 8th of February indicating much below normal temperatures, and it really looks like that's going to settle in on us as we make our way out into this weekend. We'll start seeing that cold air, well, maybe not seeing it, but certainly feeling it, and it'll be around here for next week as well. Today, we have to talk about some snow. There's just a bit of a clipper system dropping in from the Northwest, just in Northern Minnesota with a warm front right along the Mississippi Valley. And that's where there's some snow this morning. Eastern Minnesota into western Wisconsin. Oh, from Wausau down to Platteville and back on into uh, Iowa. That snow will march further east and, of course, will begin to add up. A little new dusting on the ground already at Lacrosse. Keep in mind with this new snow, it'll make slippery roadways. And as the winds pick up this morning, they are already, but there'll be a little more of that blowing and lack of visibility and could make for slippery spots and stretches on the roadway. Sounds like a winter morning. Today, if we see near an inch of snow accumulation, that's about all there's going to be to it as that clipper moves on through. But it lets that colder air settle in then through tonight and definitely makes for colder temperatures Saturday and Sunday. Now that cold front will become a bit stationary off to our south. Another low strengthens out to the west marches east right along that boundary, staying south of us, but what it will do is bring around another snow possibility, and I think as we look on towards Saturday, especially in southern Wisconsin, an inch or two is certainly a good possibility. For most of us, just another inch, a little new light snow around for Saturday, and still a little blowing and drifting as the winds won't be as strong as today, but there'll be enough to keep it moving around. And just that cold air then as we head toward next week, daytime high in the teens or lower. I'd say Monday probably single digit above zero highs for all of us. And then back in the teens as we head through the rest of next week. I don't see much snow possibility with that really cold air settling in, but we'll have some cleanup to do as it does arrive, at least uh, maybe a little later today. And certainly as we make our way through Saturday before the weekend really gets cold. I'll have forecast details right after this.
7: Is your crop insurance strategy to just do what you did last year? At Compier Financial, we know how challenging it can be to navigate insurance planning. So we work hard to understand your goals and needs. Let us leverage our exclusive tools and vast experience to develop a strategy that protects your operation. Partner with us today. Give us a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compier.com slash crop insurance. Compure does not provide legal or licensed financial planning services. Compure Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.
0: All righty, Stu, let's talk a little bit more about what's coming next week. I mean, uh, if the temperatures are going to drop, I get that. But are we worried about severe wind chills next week?
6: Well, it won't be all that windy, I don't expect. But, you know, when we're talking about nighttime lows that dropped on around five or eight below and you get a five or 10 mile per hour wind, that puts that wind chill down in the teens below zero. So, yeah, it gets a little touchy then as well. Our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update, well, it's for cloudy skies and some snow today. Could be up to an inch accumulating. It's already started in the west, starts further east as we head through the day. Look for a windy day today with temps about freezing and south winds 10 to 20, gusting to 35, becoming west, even northwest by quite late today. Overnight, mostly cloudy. We dropped to the very low teens or just double digits. Nighttime lows uh, down down there with the west winds at five to 15. Cloudy skies Saturday, snow developing. Southern Wisconsin, a couple of inches, all the rest of us just an inch or so. Uh, Only in the upper teens, the northwest winds five to 10. A little snow sticking around Saturday night, early Sunday, mostly cloudy Sunday, mid-teens with the north winds at 5 to 10. And I expect Monday, Pam, that's the day, single digit above zero highs. And then just a slow, slow climb after that, at least back into the teens by Tuesday and Wednesday.
0: Like you said, basically all next week, it's going to be make sure that everything has got uh, heat tape on it and plug in everything, that type of week.
6: Yeah, that skid loader better be plugged in or it's not going <laughs> to like it in the
0: morning. Yeah, no kidding. All right, man, I'm not going to like it in the morning. I got a feeling so. <laughs> All right, dude, have a good weekend. We'll catch you next week. All right, see you then. All right, it's Stumach, Ag Meteorologist with weather details that actually bring a chill to my bot already, huh? Don't forget, you can always give me your weather observations. Use our talk text line, 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. You can call it or you can text it.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
3: White mold and sudden death syndrome are two of the most important fungal diseases in soybean production today. But did you know 40 to 50 million acres in the north central region are affected annually? When every season has different disease challenges, the question becomes, how can you ensure the best start for your soybeans no matter what? The answer is heads up. Trusted by growers across the Midwest, Heads Up offers a new mode of action to prime your beans to help fight fungal disease. Compatible and cost effective. For more information, visit headsupst.com. When you need
2: accurate insights to make informed decisions on your dairy, you need affy Milk. With Afi Milk, you can know what's happening with your cows when there's a problem, and when used with Affy Farm Herd Management software, they can even help identify what the problem is, which helps you manage it quicker. From analyzing components to finding sick cows, rely on Afi Milk solutions to help you increase performance and profitability. Learn more at affymilk.com.
0: Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs?
7: we
1: all get hit by the storms of life. I had noticed my legs were swelling and we went to Maine Medical Hospital and they said, Mr. Conquest, can you get up for your MRI? And I remember pushing up off the bed and I fell. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later and I was paralyzed. It was a pretty low point to not be able to do the things that I love to do. PBA was there the first day. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. PVA has brought me back to life. I've fallen a few times and PVA is like, get up. We just keep getting up.
6: To learn more, go to
1: PVA.org today.
3: Tom
4: Spitz, and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know, bankers who listen to your goals, then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here
5: when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit settlerswi.com.
0: Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know.
3: Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender.
4: This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, (laughs) our canine cuddle ambassador here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let
0: our family help your family.
4: Visit GundersonFH.com, over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center.
5: The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They take forever to return your call. When they do show up, they leave your house a mess, and then they throw in weird surprises.
2: Swipe left.
5: Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who does return your calls, leaves your property clean, and never any awkward
6: surprises.
4: Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. You can't
7: change the price of gas or groceries but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Rinnai tankless water heaters, the number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater.
8: Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business.
4: Benjamin Plumbing. Aaron Rodgers
9: after the the losing the lines of the press conference, I stayed up and watched it. I'm like, I feel like this guy like, you know, could be retiring, probably coming back for the Packers. Now, this week, uh, with all of the or, uh, this weekend into this week, I feel like like a trade is going to happen. What what's your gut telling you right now for Rogers? You know, Evo, I've thought that at various times over the last couple of years too. I've I've thought at times there's a chance he's going to walk away from the game, and and every time we get to September 10th and they kick the ball off on Week One, he's under center. So I, I guess until proven otherwise, I'm going to stay in the camp that he's going to be the Green Bay Packers starting quarterback when we get to Week One. And and to be honest, Evo, I, I mean, if, if that winds up happening, I don't think it's good for really for any of the parties because the Packers aren't going anywhere significant next year. So Rogers will be unhappy about that. You're you're probably going to wind up either having to, you know, have a disgruntled Jordan love if that happens or move him in a trade. And then you run the risk that he blows up and turns into a really nice quarterback for somebody else. And, you know, um, if if, if that's the case, Ebo, it it probably means um, that that there's going to be a lot of contracts kicked down the road again restructured um, payments come due down the road 2024 2025 etc and the Packers are already you know in salary cap hell because of, of that approach the last couple of years um, I, I get it. it it's all floating around out there I, I'll be honest people I, I think deep down the Packers know what they want to do and are going to do and Rogers knows what he wants to do and what 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 he's going to do the the thing is you, you and i don't know the general public doesn't know mm-hmm. that you know there there's only been breadcrumbs left behind he you know he, evo he started this after the bears game in whatever that was week 14 you know when they when they started that winning streak and it, it, it was odd you know they, they they had the big win where they rallied in the fourth quarter they were down 19-10 and came back in 128-19 that day and and he starts talking about next year and there needs to be mutual interest from both sides for him to come back i mean it was really odd that he you know, he started throwing out that narrative already with a, with a month left in the season. And he's, he's kind of continued that over the last whatever we're at now. Let's call it eight weeks. And, um, you know, the Packers, for the most part, have been relatively quiet. I don't think Rogers heard what he wanted to hear. Evo, when he, when, he, when he left town after his exit interview, um, in terms of how many of his buddies were probably not going to be brought back. And that's why he went on the offensive. Uh, you know, a Tuesday and a half later, huh. and and he went to McAfee and he started you know clamoring for for Big Dog and Mercedes Lewis and Alan Lazard and Bobby Tunyon and those guys. Uh, you know, he he always tries to get out ahead of the uh, of the game with some of these media strikes, and he was doing it that day on on the McAfee show. You know, and and, and now the trade stuff is being floated, and, and and Evo, I mean, there's a lot of places you could potentially send him that I think are win-win for, for both sides. I mean, uh, there's, there's half the league needs a quarterback and, you know, half of those teams, evil probably have a general manager on the hot seat. So you're looking at right. six, eight teams easily uh, that, that that I think would would get in the mix for for Aaron Rodgers. You know, if, even if you keep them in the own, in your own conference, the whole the whole NFC South needs a quarterback. Washington needs a quarterback, right? The Jets desperately uh, need a quarterback. Houston, I mean, Houston will probably draft one, but but Houston yeah. needs a quarterback. The Colts desperately need a need a quarterback. I mean, there, there's a lot of places, Evo, you could send him. Tennessee desperately is going to need a quarterback if they move on from Tannehill. So, I, you know, I think the Packers could have a mini bidding war, Evo, and, and probably get what it is they want for him. Uh, there's going to be a general manager out there that understands he's trying to save his tail, and he's going to give up a little bit more to trade. And and I think that could wind up being a win-win. Uh, but again, long, long answer to your initial question, Evo. I, I think this all eventually blows over. Uh, and and, <laughs> and, and, and Rodgers is brought, the quarterback, <laughs> and he's brought We're back, back and he's and he's your quarterback when, <laughs> when you kick it off and whatever whatever day you start, uh, you know, so in early September. Do the
3: song and dance again. So Rob, there's so many layers to this. Rogers trade him, keep him, do whatever. Now he's talking on Pat McAfee that he's open to restructuring a deal. Do you think that goes a long way in him staying in Green Bay? Because I I never would have thought that that would have came out of his mouth.
9: Evo, I don't, you know. I don't know that that. I, again, I, I'm not a cap guru. Um, I know how the contract is structured right now, and it's tricky. I, I'm I'm largely under the impression, uh, impression even if it's restructured, it, it's it's going to be really hard for the Packers to save significant cap room on it, you know, this year, or you're just pushing again the bill down the road. I don't know that that that's a a deal. The Packers are going to necessarily want to get involved in or with. I again, I think that's one of the reasons he threw that out there because I think largely it's an improbability or almost an impossibility.
1: If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report
0: with Pam Youngke. Hopefully that workout also helps generate a little heat for you because starting today, our thermometer goes south. Partly cloudy skies today, 60% chance of snow showers, 32 are expected high. And that is going to be balmy compared to where we are by the front part of next week. Saturday, 18 degrees. Sunday, 16 degrees. Monday, overcast skies, 10 above. That's what we're looking forward to. Tell you what, if you're looking forward to 2023, balancing your budget is going to get to be tricky. Everybody talking about inflation, recession, interest rates. And how does that impact the average operating farm in Wisconsin? And what do you need to think about as far as strategy? talking about that with Bill Moore. He's a risk officer with Compure Financial. Stick around. I'm Pam Yonke, by the way. So glad you're tuning in. Appreciate that, whether it's online or on the air. We're glad to have you. So this is the final Friday of January, the 27th day of the month. On this day back in 1983, the very first part of the world's longest tunnel was finished. It is basically an underground rail system that transport people between the Japanese islands of Honshu and Hokkaido. Hokkaido, considered a dairy uh, area for Japan. They finished the first leg of that tunnel on this day back in 1983. And a fellow you probably didn't even know about in Wisconsin agriculture, Joseph Schaefer. Dr. Joseph Schaefer was the superintendent of the State Historical Society of Wisconsin. He passed away on this day back in 1941. He served as the superintendent of the State Historical Society for 21 years and was regarded as an expert on agricultural development in the state. Joseph Schaefer. And now you know. Well, the numbers are in. And the 2023 U.S. Championship Cheese Contest Looks very, very healthy. The Wisconsin cheesemakers that act as host of the big event say that 197 makers of cheese, butter, yogurt, and dry dairy ingredients are going to be competing. Representing 35 states, they have submitted more than 2,200 different products that will be evaluated across 113 different classes. The U.S. Championship Cheese Contest will happen in Green Bay February 21st through the 23rd. What is it like to try to get your arms and your palate around that many entries? Carrie Mess brings us more from a judge. Chad Gaylor is one of the people who will be up
8: in Green Bay. He's not taking cheese to be judged, though. He stands on the other side of the table as a cheese judge. Chad, what the heck is a cheese judge and how do you even start to judge a piece of cheese?
4: Well, a cheese judge, the kind I am, Carrie, is uh, one at invited contests like the World Championship Cheese Contest or the United States Championship Cheese Contest. We're invited because we have experience in the industry. We've made cheese or we know a lot about each of those. So we know the flavor, the texture, everything about that cheese so that we can evaluate it of what a perfect one would be. Very rarely do we see a perfect cheese, but there's some that are really close when we're doing that. And so every cheese, when we're doing that is a cheese judge starts with 100 points and then we're taking minor points away from it if we find those defects. So what a cheese judge really is is we're just evaluating each cheese as if it was perfect and taking away those minor defaults or defects that they might have in there and coming up with a score.
8: There are so many types of cheese out there. Do judges really judge all the different types?
4: I don't believe anyone can be an expert in all the cheeses but you have a good knowledge base of them all and once you have the basic understanding of what those attributes and defects are you can definitely expand out. I spent a lot of time making cheddars and other American style cheeses like Monterey Jack and Colby and working on those so that's definitely where the core of my expertise is but through other trainings and sensory trainings and cheese making I feel comfortable doing blues and because I spent time working on those as well as Breeze and even feta and other ones but you know I know I'm not quite as good at some of maybe the very soft cheeses or Mexican cheeses or something I might avoid because I don't have the experience in those but yeah definitely people have their specialties and we, we get grouped into those but we can definitely expand and do a few others too.
8: How how do you get started judging cheese?
4: For me, it was easy because I grew up in a dairy farm in Wisconsin, so I've always been passionate about the dairy industry. But while we all like to eat cheese, that is probably the first hurdle you have to cross, but it's, it's by far not the only one. So uh, I have a microbiology background, which a lot of people have a dairy science or something in cheese. But the biggest thing is spending time doing it. So you, again, made cheese or you've taken some training. And in my case, I had some great mentors that I learned from. So I graded cheese and evaluated cheese with them and then spent time looking at some selecting our cheeses that we were entering in my previous roles into the contest. So I got a good idea. And then when we started winning, I felt like I could probably select some and knew what the good ones look like. So I was able to build up that experience, but that was 15, 16 years of experience before I really felt ready to be able to do that. But also doing other competitions and doing collegiate dairy product judging is a big help and just continuing to build those skills in any way you can and evaluate the cheeses.
8: That was Chad Gaylor, one of the folks who will have the lucky job of judging some of those dairy products at the the upcoming US Championship Cheese Contest. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess.
0: Thanks Carrie, and of course, we will be at the US Champion Cheese Contest coming up later in February. Again in Green Bay. Speaking of cheese, yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese went up a penny and three quarters to one fifty nine. Forty-pound block cheese was four and a quarter higher at one ninety six. Double A butter, no change. This morning in Chicago, right now our December corn currently trading down two at five eighty eight. November beans are up two and a half at thirteen fifty five. July wheat's unchanged at seven sixty two. February milk currently down a penny at eighteen thirty one a hundred weight. Well. Everybody is trying to figure out what 2023 is going to look like from a financial point of view. Inflation, recession, interest rates, they're all being discussed right now. We'll discuss it and its impact on production agriculture's balance sheets. That's coming up next.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
4: They say yes seven straight days a traveling
7: dress rehearsal for you to get comfortable in the seat and feel the power behind the smartest purchase you've ever made the seven day no questions asked return policy if you need it at Bergstrom automotive join the Bergstrom automotive family for the yes
6: I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I I didn't think I'd survive, but I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me.
7: 1 in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there.
8: Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed.
7: Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future.
8: They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today.
7: If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today.
8: You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling.
7: Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive, near East Town Mall.
1: Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
0: Well, you're probably seeing it on the nightly news. Maybe it's even conversation you've had at the dinner table. What is going on with inflation? What is going on with the potential recession? Where are interest rates headed? Some big ideas, some big conversations, but we want to bring it to the farm level and how it impacts agribusiness. It's time for a conversation with our friends from Compure Financial. And joining us today to focus in specifically on those items is their chief risk officer. That's Bill Moore. Bill, you know, this has been a big topic of conversation before the new calendar year started. Why don't you do me a favor and just kind of give me your quick recap on what 2022 was all about. We saw the Fed moving interest rates. The word recession started becoming more part of conversations. What did you notice in 2022?
5: Thanks, Pam. Well, 2022 is a year where the the Federal Reserve really had to pick up its game because 2021, For most of the year, it denied that we were having inflation. So by the time we got to 2022, they were behind the eight ball and had to make a number of moves in order to to try and get inflation under control. In fact, we saw, although it was debatable on the terminology, a short recession in 2022. And a number of people in the pundits and the media and at the, the press corps had debated whether it was a recession or not. But that was almost not the point. The point was was it a blip in the road or was it a sign of things to come and i think it's probably more likely to be a sign of things to come as the fed really ratcheted up interest rates i think they moved something like times in 2022 and including uh rate increases at a faster pace than they ever have before we're very likely to see a recession in the general u.s economy in 2023 Now, does that emerge in the first quarter or the second quarter or the third quarter? I'm not sure. But consensus today is surely that uh, the numbers are going to slow uh, and we're likely to see a downturn in the general economy for 2023. Now, for U.S. farmers, the good news is the ag economy and the general market economy don't necessarily move together. In fact, they kind of march to the beat of their own drummer and I do feel much more positive about the ag economy today uh, than I do necessarily the general U.S. economy in itself.
0: Right. Let's talk more about that, Bill, because, again, whenever farmers hear the Fed's moving interest rates, they recognize that that's going to impact them. In agriculture, we look at a lot of long-term debt. Uh, much of that, I'm assuming, would have already been locked in place. Tell me a little bit about those uh, movements on the interest rates and then, again, the strategy on 2023.
5: That's a fair point. I think you did see a lot of farmers lock in rates over the last three years, which will be really beneficial to them over the next, call it, three-, five-, ten-year time frame. As we look at variable rates today, they, they really get dictated by what the Fed does. And the Fed moved from essentially a zero federal funds interest rate as we ended 2021 to where now we're about 4.5%. And for the most part, if you look at, at where people are expecting – they're expecting that rate to top out at, at five and one eighth uh, sometime during 2023. The interesting part is because we're headed to that recession, the consensus on what I'll, I'm putting air quotes on here, wall street expect that the fed not only will stop raising interest rates. There's actually some consensus out there that they think they will start cutting interest rate 2020. However, I think that's a, that's a pretty optimistic scenario because of the inflation that we're seeing. We're seeing inflation today above 5%, which is much, much higher than the Fed really wants us to uh, operate as an economy at. Their target is more like 2%. And even though typically in historic periods, the course, during a recession, I think if you see a recession coupled with, uh, continued high inflation. You're not going to see the Fed stop. In fact, I think you could see the Fed continue to proceed. Now, that's a a, uh, a contrary opinion to common consensus today, but I do think it's the risk that if the Fed doesn't get control of inflation right away, that they will they will continue to raise interest rates to a higher level than we're we're currently expecting.
0: Bill Moores, along with us, he's the Chief Risk Officer for Compure Financial, and we're talking about the big picture. What is going on with interest rates, recession, inflation? So let's hone in a little bit on that, Bill. Inflation is, as you said, uh, going up. What does that do to farmers, to agriculture, especially if it's something that persists?
5: Well, I imagine anyone who's listening to this today understands the increases we've seen between 2021 and 2022 and in input prices for the, for the farmer. I mean, we've seen big raises in, in, in fuel costs, fertilizer, uh, pesticides, uh, feed, rent. I mean, really across the board, if you look at, at the different inputs, almost all of them increased you know, pretty significantly in 2022. And as we look out to 2023, it's not necessarily getting any better. It's probably not getting materially worse. But it's definitely really not getting better. We've seen some fuel costs come down. We've seen some transportation costs come down, but ultimately we're projecting a pretty large decline in net income per acre uh, for the for the farmers in the in the sort of the north uh, the northern plain belt uh, to maybe around forty three forty five dollars an acre in twenty twenty three, and if you compare that, I mean, you were talking about hundreds of dollars. Uh, per acre in 2020 and 20 excuse me 2021 and 2022 so inflation has a pretty big hold on what those numbers will look like because we've done some analysis all the way back to the 1970s that suggests the revenue line or the commodity prices so things for soft commodities like corn and soybeans don't necessarily follow inflation up and down they tend to move based on supply-demand things that we've seen, much like we've experienced with Ukraine, as an example. That's really bolstered the price of commodities. However, all the input costs do tend to trend with inflation. So you could easily see a scenario where uh, commodity prices maybe come down from where they are today, and input costs continue to rise. Now, We've had such a good couple of years that working capital levels are very high. In fact, on average, uh, our benchmarks suggest that farmers have working capital that are as much as three times our our traditional underwriting standards, which means they can weather a storm. So even if we have a small decrease in in profitability uh, from where the expectations are today, farmers should be in a pretty good spot. The question I have is, what happens if that persistent inflation lasts for four or five or eight years, um, then it really begins to erode the balance sheets uh, over time because persistent inflation is not good for our income statements as an industry.
0: Boy, well, just thinking of the average age of the farmer, I mean, they don't want to give everything back just because of this kind of government policy and, and uh, economic uh, uncertainty. So let's talk about what you're guiding them with, Bill. What are you making for suggestions to clients on, like you said, protecting what they've got, thinking smart going forward, and watching these uh, decisions that are coming down the road? What are you What are you advising them?
5: Well, I wouldn't be a good chief risk officer if I, the first thing out of my mouth was risk management practices. You know, we highly encourage that if you're going to lock in prices for your for your cost side of your balance sheet or your income statement, that you, you begin to lock in revenue as well. So make sure that there's good hedging practices in place. Uh, you don't want to be long too much on the commodity side in case it changes if you're locking in, say, a fertilizer purchase or a seed purchase or a pesticide purchase. So you want to make sure that those two things are aligned. Also, on the interest rate side, I think today the interest rate environment is suggesting that rates will stay flat or maybe go lower depending upon what type of product you have. I do think that the risk is not uh, that they go down. The risk is that they go up. Um, and so we do encourage that when you're penciling out transactions and you're setting your interest rates, that you know what you can afford, you know where sort of the tipping points are, are where you can lock in rates or not lock in rates, because you don't want a 100% variable and find out two years from now that, that variable rates are much, much higher because the Fed failed to contain inflation. You want to be able to lock in where you can, and I think there are opportunities today to lock in rates at different points of the curve, which over time could turn out to be pretty beneficial, And I'll be honest, the good thing about farm credit is if, if in fact, this is the top in interest rates and rates do go down in the future, we have some features in the farm credit uh, lending structure that do allow you to reset your interest rates if they were to go lower for a fairly nominal fee that turns out to be a win-win for all parties. So always making sure that you understand what products are available to you, how do they pencil out, um, and make sure you're getting the – The proper sort of on-the-ground advice, whether it's from your agronomist, your financial officer, uh, utilize things like the credit officer at your local farm credit would be a great example as well.
0: Yeah. Like we said, there's so many unanswered questions and definitely a lot of, uh, shall we say, turbulence in the marketplace. Don't become a victim. Have that conversation today. Again, our thanks to Bill Moore, Chief Risk Officer with Compure Financial. He's got his eye on the ball as far as inflation interest rates, and the future of your farming operation. Make sure you're having conversation with your Compure financial officer. And like you said, credit manager as well. Get their thoughts on what's happening as it happens and plan before it happens. You can find all the resources available online right now, compure.com.